Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Natch 20 Review. I'm your host, Instaku, and with me today is Pookie. And... Say something. Yes, I don't know. He wasn't pointing at me. <laughs> he can't point you over the internet. Sorry. With me today is Pookie. Pookie? Hi. Say someone else's name. And Units. Hi, I'm Units. And Shadow Chorus. Hi, I'm Shadow Chorus. And as you, if you couldn't tell by the opening, there we're doing uh, we're using we're, we're doing this via Discord chat because uh, we have plans later in the evening that prevent us from getting together in physical reality to do this. And people are confused. <laughs> All right, can we go curl so, up in a corner and die? Today we're talking about Call of Cthulhu, specifically Call of Cthulhu Edition Five Point Six Point One. And to get into it, uh, Call of Cthulhu is a horror role-playing game based upon the writings of Howard Phillips Lovecraft and a, f- and a few others. Lovecraft wrote during the 1920s and 1930s and became a cult figure for a cult figure before dying in 1937. Since then, his stature as an author ha- as an author has grown, and now he is generally recognized as the major American horror story writer of the 20th century. His fiction ranges from pure science fiction to gothic horror. His nonfiction includes uh, the history of Quebec, commentary of supernatural horror and literature, and a gigantic correspondence. Five volumes of five volumes of his letters have been issued by Arkham Arkham House Publishers. So, um, Call of Cthulhu, as I just read, is an RPG system based in the writings of Lovecraft and other Lovecraftian authors. Um, it is a game about horror and psychological thrillers and sort of the experiences of a few people represented by the player characters as they unravel a mystery that. Nine times out of ten threatens to either break their minds or their bodies or both. Or the world. Well, the world the world's gonna end up broken no matter what you do. <laughs> One way or another. Um But it but yeah, it's uh it's a D ten sorry, it's a D one hundred system in that everything is solved through the role of a D one hundred. Uh you have your characters have let me pull up a character sheet here. Um a large number of skills. A large number of skills, but what's mostly important are their attributes. So the way it works out, let's look at example character, Dr. Warren Bedford. So your characters have a number of stats. Uh, strength, constitution, size, uh, intelligence, power, dexterity, aptitude, sanity, and education. Um, and then derived from those stats, they also have their idea, luck, and knowledge. And idea, luck, knowledge... Cthulhu Mythos, and Hit Points. Uh, Hit Points, Magic Points, and Sanity Points. Um, So, stats determine a modifier to your roll, and then you use them in addition... Sorry, stats represent a percentage. Sorry, Uh, let me me backtrack a little bit. Uh, The way the the game works, anytime you need to roll an ability, like say I want want somebody to roll a strength check, like just a, a flat strength check, well, if my strength is 10, then I have a 10% chance to be successful in whatever that role is. Or that 10 can be a separate modifier for determining my abilities based on whatever the storyteller or GM decides. Um, you then roll a D100 and you try to get underneath that 10. It's basically it. Well, for abilities, I believe... Because your abilities primarily determine your skills, because that's the primary D100. I think abilities have some sort of multiplier... Because rolling a 10 on a D100 is ridiculous, and a 10 is a really high strength. 
It is, but it also that that's also what you do, what you roll that ten for. Like you would it, again, it depends on. The, there's a lot of leeway for the storyteller side of things as to what you're rolling and when you're rolling. Um, high strength, a lot of things that you would make another person roll for, a higher strength person would just automatically get. Um, and then they also they also do serve as multipliers for your ability skills or for your skills, which are uh, referenced as investigator points. And these are a variety of things that you might have a base level of knowledge in, but you can also put points into to increase that base level of knowledge. Things like accounting, anthropology, archaeology, art, and also individual like physical skills like the ability to jump or the ability to pick locks or the ability to shoot a handgun. And these are determined by the uh, same thing by numbers, and that number ends up being a percentage. Most of your skills in this game have a base level proficiency that everybody has. For instance, everybody has a 20% chance to be able to drive a carriage. Um, you can then put points into that to increase that effectiveness. And like a 20% efficiency with a handgun and a 25% efficiency with a rifle. You know, things like you have a chance to use it, even, use it properly even if you're not trained in it. Um, and then you put points in that to advance. Yeah. And to clarify, when you were rolling a straight ability check, um, it's five times the stat. So if you had a 10 strength, it'd be a 50% chance. There you go. So. Um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was the number itself or a multiplier. At least that's the standard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the, that's pretty much how the game is played mechanically. Uh, most of this game is a role-playing thing. Uh, and that's where the other one of the other derived derived points, actually four of the other derived uh, stats come from. Idea, luck, knowledge, and sanity points. These are more roleplay-heavy aspects of the game than anything else. Um, your sanity points determine how sane you are. The lower your sanity points, the more likely you are to just chew your own eyes out and run screaming into the night. Uh, those are affected by your Cthulhu mythos. Uh, Cthulhu mythos is how much you know about Cthulhu. Everyone normally has a one has a one percent knowledge of Cthulhu, just just a cursory knowledge of the Eldritch or the Insane. And as you roll higher, as you as you further experience the mysteries of the Eldritch and the uh, the unnatural, uh, your GM increases your Cthulhu Mythos knowledge, and every point you gain is a point removed from your sanity. Um, because the more you know about Cthulhu, the more insane you become. Uh, then there's also your idea, luck, and knowledge rolls. These are things that you'll roll when you are don't know what to do most of the time. Uh, these are like, well, you've, you've, you've run into a dead end in the middle of your investigation, and you personally have no idea what to do next, but your character in-world might know something more. Um, you can roll an idea or a knowledge roll, and sometimes the GM will make you roll a luck roll. Uh, and these are percentages based on your other stats. Basically, it's an in-game way for the DM to be like, hey, so make an idea roll, and your character might happen to know random factoid because this is getting boring because you got stuck. Yeah. like I can, it's, I can, a, it's a built-in kickstart if the plot starts stalling. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a built-in. This is stuff you know. Um, the game 
there's a variety of ways a Call of Cthulhu game can go. Uh, most of the time, they end up being an investigation. Uh, the game we played, it was uh, the group of the group of people playing were uh, people who had a variety of interests in the occult and were working as sort of part time rookie investigators. Um, but it can go; it can range from that to professional, like a professional investigators for on behalf of the government. Uh, it can be. I, I listened to a game once where it was a bunch of German soldiers in World War II um, on a U boat. Uh, you know, there, it, there's, there's a wide variety of things that you can set this in. So let's talk about. Now that we've talked about, a little bit about the game itself, um, and bearing in mind that this game, the first edition of this game was originally published in 1981, uh, let's talk about our first impressions of it, starting with Pookie. <laughs> Um, my first impression was weird, I guess, because it, it was really different. Like, the character sheet alone was really different from anything else that I had worked with before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it for me right now. Yes, it, it definitely is. It's a very unique system in comparison to just about any other system out there. There are other systems that use D100s, but uh, there aren't very many that have this sort of That use them setting. that much. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Units? Um, so at first, at first glance, I was reminded a bit of second edition D&D because rogues have a series of skills and they roll percentile dice and they want to get under them. Um, to use their thief skills. And that was about the only correlation I could really make in terms of other role-playing games. That one class had a feature that worked like the entire game here works. Um, So it's definitely a very different, unique system. There's not a lot to it mechanically, so it was really easy and quick to learn but there was so much ability to customize your character, which I thought was great. There's no classes or races and stuff like that. It's just, who is your character? Your skills add so much personality. There's things like natural world, navigation, uh, locksmithing, library using, accounting. There's a skill for credit. Your credit check is a skill. Yeah, credit rating. Which is really cool because it's like how... You know, how well do that people know you think that you'll return their stuff or how easily can you get a loan or how trustworthy are you? That's a really cool skill because it's less about your skill and more about the persona you've built. Uh, it's also worth noting that there are four different timelines where in which a, a game could take place in Call of Cthulhu. Uh, they can take place in the 1890s, the 1920s. Uh, the 1990s or, you know, the 2000s and beyond, depending on what edition you're playing in. Um, we, I believe, we did a 1920s game or was it an 1890s game? I thought it was, 19... it was 1890 because it was the antebellum yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we played an 1890s game. Uh, but there's a, you know, the, which the time frame also changes the skills that you use. Like a, the, a credit rating in 1890s means a lot more than actually it means a lot it, it means a completely different thing i mean yeah it, mean, it means it means a completely different thing it's also a lot higher of a skill in the 19 in the 1890s than it is in the 1990s yeah um like 1890s start off with a much higher credit rating than the uh than the 1990s do yes 
and it means different things too. Uh, so Shadow Course, your first thoughts. Um, I have never really enjoyed Cthulhu Mythos. It's just kind of a, a setting that I don't particularly enjoy in any event. But the system is really interesting. The The system is unique. It's mechanically well built. It uh, took a concept that was odd and ran with it. And I feel like that's thematically fitting with the setting that it's using. The idea of not only is our mechanic system weird, but the setting is built on weird. So the mechanics might as well be weird. Yep. Uh, and it does it in a sort of really neat and uh, way that flows together pretty well. One thing that I would like to do, uh, talking about weird, uh, there's there, while they have these preset eras, there's nothing really stopping you from putting it in your own era. Um, like, it's got all the tools needed to play this in a one, th- you know, turn of the turn of the millennia, uh, like era, like in the, in, in the year 900, there's also nothing stopping it and stopping you from playing it in the year 3000. Um, and, and radically changing the preconceptions that your players have with the reality around them. You could play it at any point and that's like the Trilby games were set in, for example. Yeah. You could run Trilby as a Call of Cthulhu game, and it would work great. You could indeed, and that's a reference that five people will get. <laughs> but for those five people, man. Three of them are on this podcast. Um, Trilby's like a hat? <laughs> <laughs> three of them are on this podcast. Pookie is not one of the three. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's an, and, and for my first impressions, I, I, I really love... I love the game because... It's a setting that's not often utilized. Uh, horror in RPGs tends to be very ham-fisted. Um, it tends to be... It's really difficult to make people scared when playing a, a tabletop RPG because it's not happening to you. You know what I mean? It's it's like there's it's happening to the words on this character sheet. It's not happening to you. Um, and so be, because Call of Cthulhu takes that separation that you have in most rpgs and makes it a lot thinner because these are characters that could exist in our reality because it takes place on earth it can take place in your town um it really allows you to tailor it to tailor your story to the people who are playing your game actually ours was in antebellum georgia it was in Atlanta like it started in Atlanta and then went north into the mountains um so you can you can use that familiarity to make the story you're telling slightly more creepy maybe not necessarily scary but definitely creepy and and use that to create a very different experience that you don't get from a whole lot of things and I I enjoy that I enjoy that it's a new experience um so let's talk about things that we like about the game. Starting again with Pookie. What do you like about the game? Um, there are a few things I liked about the game. Uh, I really liked how specific you could be with your character. Like how much you could put into your character. Yeah. Um, with like going beyond just like the normal skills, like personal interests. And I felt like you could shape your character better, like more like in real life. Like you were specifically, you were a, um, you were interested in the occult because you were a serial murderer, I think. 
Yes. Yeah, like like you you were a you had murdered your husband and brother or what, what was no the, no what was I had murdered my father. You had murdered your father. That's right. Um, and like you had this, it, you have the skill set of a teacher because you were a teacher. Um, with this backstory of having murdered your father, and it and it played into your skills. You were really good with knives, for instance. Um. Which I, I, I yeah I, I agree I think the the interesting level of customization is fun. Was there anything else that you really liked? There is. Um, if you could give me a minute, I had a list a second ago. I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. If you could go to someone else and maybe come back to me. All right, we'll hop back to you in a minute. Units. All right. Um, favorite thing is I think I mentioned the first impressions is how customizable it is. Pookie just mentioned how nuanced you can make a character. Um. But aside from that, I love the fact that being able to make a nuanced character, I feel makes you more invested in it because there's so many skills that are mundane and your characters do what seem to be mundane things. And then they take these mundane skills into a, a extraordinary a setting and it, it, I mean, Cthulhu, the whole Lovecraftian world works because it is the perversion of what we know. And so having skills like library using or, you know, legal knowledge that, you know, people use day to day in a horror setting, you know, what does the librarian do when Cthulhu's coming? You, you have a really high library use skill, I'll tell you that. Yeah, but... <laughs> suddenly it becomes really useful. You come across a bookcase. Hey, I can use my library book uh, use skill to really quickly analyze a lot about, of things about this bookcase. Find secret doors, find what the books mean, or figure out patterns, learn, learn a lot about people. There are so many things you, you don't think about being useful, and we rolled so many checks that were on this list that none of us had really thought, when is that going to come up? And it's it's using the mundane is such an interesting thing. I lo- and I love the percentile based system, and I love that there's no classes, so you really are building whatever character you want. I think the only skill we didn't come up that we didn't roll was physics. I think that's the only one that we didn't actually roll at, at all the entire game. Everything else pretty much had a role assigned to it at one point yeah. in time. We use talking skills surprisingly little. Yeah. I do also like that fencing is a skill and it's not fencing. It's, 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 it's building a fence. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it can be, I, I mean, there's, 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 there is one for both, but I just like that you can have a, you can have a 70, a 70% chance to successfully build a fence. That I find hilarious. Uh, Shadow course. Um, I had a thing that, oh yes, um, the, uh, rather than talk about the customization, because they've, they've both, uh, had their thoughts about it, the thing that I do want to point out is that with a D100 system, every point allocation into a stat has a significant effect, which is something that a lot of systems run into problems with, like in all the D&D systems in, like, the D20 systems with your stats, odd numbers in your stats mean literal nothing. They, they don't help you until you hit an even number. 
having a 17 strength is no different from having a 16 strength in D&D. Yeah. But when you're rolling on a percentile, every single one of those is a 1% increase to your success rate. Every single point you put in actually does affect how effective your character is. Which is a rare thing to see where literally nothing is ever wasted because everything is useful at some point. Yep. You know, it's a it's a very, very good mechanical design to have every single point of skill or attribute actually have an impact on your character. Which is something that I very much enjoyed. That's good. Uh Pookie, did you find the thing that you wanted the, the rest of the things you want to talk about? Uh yeah, well at least one of them. Go ahead. Um, I like the setting. I like that it's more in more of a modern setting. Like I know that we were playing in the 1890s, but instead of playing in a fantasy world, it's more realistic. Yeah. Because it's playing in our world. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to bring like some of these different like fantasy or horror elements into your world. Uh, I, I, it, it is interesting that, um, you know, the the era and time frame that this game is set in, because it also lets you deal with issues that you don't normally have to deal with in in fantasy settings. Like, in fantasy settings, there's always, there, you know, people always talk about how there's racism in fantasy worlds, but oftentimes it doesn't come up because the GM doesn't think about it. Uh, and because the GM isn't usually racist. Yeah. We had some racism. But in, in Call of Cthulhu, especially like in 1890s Georgia, there's some racism. Um, it was actually funny because one of the characters, uh, Camille, our friend, was playing, and, and he was playing a black character. and But he was playing a, a very independent and you know free black man going into rural Georgia. Which he had, a, he had some wake up moments. <laughs> it was funny because I kept, I, I kept, I was able to make the comment a couple times that that Camille forgot he was playing in eighteen nineties because he would walk up to people and start talking as if they were, you know, he'd walk up to these random white guys and start talking to them as if it was modern day and then get shut down because he's black. Um, like when he wanted, when my character was like screaming and having a panic attack and he wanted to just like carry her through the town. Yeah, which wouldn't have ended well. <laughs> no. Yeah, and my character's like, uh, <laughs> hold on, I'm an old distinguished white guy. I'll tie her up and carry her through the town because Georgia Mountain's racism. Yep. So, it, yeah. Was there anything else, Poogie? I think that's all I can think of. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, the thing I like most about this is actually, aside from the storytelling portion, because most of the most of the GM or storyteller's job is telling the story, which seems weird, but let me get let me get into it. Um, because everything is a D one hundred, all you need for an enemy or for an opponent is a health pool and a couple of percentages. You know, and it doesn't have to be nearly as detailed as it does for characters. Like for an, for an enemy, all I need is uh, he has tw- let's say he has twenty hit points, and he has a twenty five percent chance to hit you with his fists, a fifty percent chance to hit you with a sword, and a sixty five percent chance to hit you with a gun. And that is all I need for enemies for NPCs. At that point, the rest of the game is just on my ability to tell a story. 
and to create a world and to create a setting. And it relies like infinitesimally on the mechanics of the game. Whereas most other, actually just about all other uh, GM systems, or, you know, systems require the GM to be a lot more involved in the mechanics of the world. Um, you know, you have to have a full character sheet. You have, not a full character sheet, but you have to have at least a character sheet outline for your enemies. Or failing that, you have to pull them straight from a monster manual and modify them slightly to make them a challenge. And you have to calculate how much experience they're going to get for this, that, and the other. You have to calculate how big of a difficulty there is. You have to calculate armor class and hit points and hit bonuses and, and magic items and, and, you know, and, and all these mechanical things that come with so many other systems. Whereas with this, you need three numbers, or sorry, four numbers, and your mind, and that's it. Um, which I find refreshing, and it, it makes it a very, like, not only is it a different experience to play Call of Cthulhu, it's also a very different experience to GM Call of Cthulhu. Um, and I had a blast with it. It's, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's my, f- actually no, I think this probably is the most fun I've had GMing, was probably GMing Call of Cthulhu. Just because there was so little that I had to worry about. Um, so now that we've we've gotten into that, let's talk about things that we didn't like about the system. Again, starting with Pookie, what you, what did you not like about it? Now, I and I apologize. I've been trying to figure out a way to explain this well, and I currently do not have one. But I really don't like playing a D one hundred system. Okay. Um, I'm, I apologize again. I think I'm trying to remember, like, it was a while since we played. I'm trying to remember the specifics of it. Was there something specifically, yeah, yeah, is there something specifically about it you didn't like, or you just don't like rolling D100s? Is it, is it the range? I think it was the range. Okay. So the the fact that, you know, you have, uh, with a, with a D20... There's only so many numbers that you can roll. Whereas with a D100, there's a hundred numbers you can roll, and for each skill, the same number might be a, might mean a very different thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember the whole system on how to. I, I, I how there's a lot of skills in this game. And yeah, all of them will be at different percentages, and you're going to have to look at which one you're rolling, and each of your D100 rolls is going to be for a different thing. You're looking for a different margin. <laughs> I think my problem was I spread myself too thin. Okay. Like investing and... to a 30 or 40 in something. Yes. Still I, has less than a 50-50 chance of succeeding, which is awkward. Yeah. So I had a lot of really bad rolls because of that. I think that's partially my fault, but I also didn't. That was my first time playing the system. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fine. Was there anything else? Uh, that that was the big thing. I just really didn't like the percentage thing. Okay. Uh, units. Um, my big thing that I have a problem with in this is the same thing that I have a problem with in, with second edition rogues in that it, it's similar to what Pookie said. One of the big things is you either spread yourself out and have a poor chance of doing anything or you give yourself a good chance of doing a few things and then you don't have enough points left over to put in to a lot of other stuff. There's no, there's nothing to incentivize you to not put a skill up to like 90 if you want to succeed at it all the time. Like I put 95 in my character's sword fighting skill. 
Well, and the inc- I became indomitable in sword fighting. The incentive is that you know you put ninety in one thing, but then you have one percent chances in other things. Exactly, but then the problem is if I put if I put a bunch of things to like thirty, then I have a one in three chance of doing anything. Okay, and I feel like it needs something. Well, because when you're rolling a d20, you're adding numbers, and so it lets you kind of balance the dice better. It lets you kind of skew probability, um, and that has its own problems. But the problem with this system specifically is here's a number of points. Here's a whole bunch of skills to spread it over, and it's hard to find that good balance of put enough skills at high enough that they're relevant it Especially is... when the penalty for failure, because this game is a lethal game, the penalty for failure is so drastic. It is worth noting that we played. This, there are there are ways to advance your skills and to level up in this game. Yeah, uh, and we were playing effectively level one characters. I mean, I get that. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying it's. It, it's a fault in the D100 system, typically. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 just want, I just wanted to preface that for not only for you yeah. guys, but also for the listeners, that we were yeah. playing f- level one characters. Yeah. The, D, the D100 system has that flaw, um, where, like Shadowcore said, every point matters. But it takes a lot of points to make it probable. Yeah. Um, and, there's, and when there's this many skills, there's only so many points to go around. Um, and the flip side, you can really jank something up by putting a whole bunch of points and it's going to be like, I'm really good at this and I'm going to get it every time. So uh, that's a balance. Aside from that, um, the game is very chance-based. And I feel like part of that's intentional. It's It keeps you on your toes. It makes you make your decisions very carefully because bad decisions get you killed really quickly and your chances, and there's so much at chance... So I feel like a lot of that's intentional, but at the same time, I don't tend to do well with lots of chance. So, you know. I mean, you you lived, though. I did. I also had a 95 in sword fighting, which is probably (laughs) the only reason. But yeah, it's a a very high chance system, and that's a choice they made. And I I can appreciate that, but I don't like it. Okay. Okay. And Shadow Course. I don't like... Cthulhu settings. I don't like modern settings. I don't like Earth settings. Like, it's hard for me personally to get invested in modern settings. It's easier for me to get invested in fantasy settings because I am so profoundly bored with so much of the modern world. You know, I I am very much sort of a a real-world escapist in that regard. I am so fed up with so much of the garbage of the modern world that I would rather be invested in a fantasy world. So for me... It's hard to get into anything set in Call of Cthulhu. Even even with all the Cthulhu mythos brought into it, the fact that it's set in real worlds is just it, it immediately takes me down. It takes me down a notch. Um, we, they've already spoken about the, the problem with using percentile on D one hundreds, but for me personally, my biggest flaw with this game is that I just don't like the setting, and it's built around the setting. Yeah. Um, there, there's one little thing of note that I that I, that came to mind. Okay, and that's that I don't like, and that's that this game feels outdated. Well, we we, um, we were playing an edition from the ni- from 1990, like from 2000, from 2001. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was looking up the edition changes. They're minor. 
they are minor at best. This game came out um, before Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, before the first, before the first AD and D rulebook came out, first edition D and D. I mean, D and D been out for a while, but it was it wasn't AD and D. When did D and D come out? Seventy four. Okay. Okay. So. But AD and D didn't come out until uh, the uh, mid eighties. Okay. And this game is very old, and they've made minor tweaks. Um, but it doesn't stop it from feeling outdated in some regards. That's fair. We'll have to check out 7th edition and see if it's any different. But Yeah, 7th edition is supposed to be the first edition that's had a major revamp. That's cause it, and that was also because it was released this year. So And also because Call of Cthulhu was starting to fail as a franchise, part of the reason being they didn't update a lot. Okay. Or when they did update, it was like tiny two rules changed in this whole edition revamp. So for for me, the thing that I don't like about this game is the same thing that I like about this game. Uh, just talking about from a GM's perspective is that there is not a whole lot of mechanical support for the GM. Um, with when you're GMing D and D, go back to the standard. Um, there is always a set number of enemy encounters that you can fall back on. Like you can go, well, I, I can't come up with a very good, I can't come up with a very good encounter for this week's session. So let me pull up a randomized encounter generator and it'll tell me what will be a good encounter for this session. Oh, okay. These are good encounters for this session. Let me pull up those monsters and get their stats down or pull them up on a PDF. Um, with Call of Cthulhu, there, there are, there is a monster list. But there's no correlation between what makes a good encounter for your PCs and the monsters. It's just whatever. It's entirely reliant on the story you're telling. There are no challenge ratings. There are no difficulty per level or anything like that. It's all what fits your setting. And the reason for that is because most of the monsters in this book will kill you. The the things that won't kill you are humans. If it's not human... Most of the time, it'll kill you, um, especially if you're an early investigator, like a, a first cam- a first session investigator. Um, it's you know, it's your your objective is to outthink them, not to fight them head on. Uh, and because of that, it puts a lot of the onus for make for for designing a session on the GM. Like there's no there's very little mechanical support, which is good and bad, and both the thing I like and don't like about the system. Okay, um... So, I don't... Is there anything else that we want to talk about, really? Um, we can talk briefly about materials in terms of the artwork and the stylization of the books. We So, uh, we had one book. Yes. I, I, but I've seen, like, the PDF artwork from the other books. Yeah. And it's it's all very um, old and stylized. Like I've got one of the very recent character sheets pulled up right now, and it's it's a very the font is old fashioned. The, the way that it's set up, it's not just old fashioned in the sense of oh, it's written in old. You know, it's it's old fashioned. It's it's written in a way that's reminiscent of like eighties games, old fashioned. Um, just the way it's laid out, the fonts they use, that sort of stuff. Um, the artwork is also 
it's the very Lovecraftian sketch style artwork a lot of the time. So it's very much in keeping with the Lovecraft tradition in that regard. But I think it's part of what makes it feel slightly outdated to me. Okay. Um yeah, the it 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 it's it's very much stuck in that Lovecraftian aesthetic, which is a older aesthetic, sort of the the um early early 90s late 80s aesthetic. Um which is partly of its, you know, of its origin and also probably not a little bit because of the um where the where the headspace of the creators are. Um, I don't know that there's much to do with that. It is worth noting that typically, at least this book is che- was at when it was released was cheaper than D and D books are. Um, like this book, what? this book retailed for thirty seven dollars. Um, you know, and I think I picked it up for thirty bucks, which is you know, which compared to the fifty sixty dollar books that D and D pumps out and other and a lot of other systems pump out is really cheap. Especially considering that it's an all-in-one book, the uh, the Call of Cthulhu, they don't release at least at, until seventh edition. They didn't release a separate GM book and player guide and monster manual and splat books. It was all one book, which is why, when, which is probably why when they made minor changes, they made, they released a new edition because it was all in one book. There was no other. There's no secondary books. Um, so for your value, you're getting a lot of stuff. But you know, it's not. I, I like the hardback books are nice. This hardback book is nice. If you pick up a hardback five point six point one edition, you won't be up, you won't be mad with your purchase at least from a quality perspective. You can also get them on Amazon for like ten bucks. Yep. All right, so let's do our final opinions and review scores. Pookie, uh, can someone else go first? I'm sorry, I'm still thinking on this. Okay, units. Uh, final opinion. The game is fun. I do like old school games uh, and has the old school feel. I just feel like it could have used more significant revisions. Maybe 7th edition fixed that. It probably has. Um, but as it stands, I give it a B minus. I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, part of it is Lovecraft. I enjoy it. It's not my thing. This game doesn't speak to me personally. Was that a? But I, I can appreciate that it's a decent game. Was that a B or a D? B minus. Okay, B. B is in boy. Yeah, B, big difference there. Yeah, it's, it's a decent game. I don't see anything really outstanding about it, aside from the customization, um, and that it has its own detriment within it. So, okay, Shadow Course. Um. I'm probably going to be sitting right there to be minus again because you know the the game is mechanically well put together. It's it's well fleshed out. The rules are well balanced. You know, character creation feels impactful. You've put it in the one setting of all of the myriad settings that I just don't like, which is the real world. So, like of all the myriad worlds you could put it in, is the one place that I just get bored with. So it's not a game that I really like playing or enjoy, but I acknowledge that it's a really well put together game. So I'm also sitting right there with a B minus. All right, uh, Pookie, you ready? Yeah, um, I think I'm going to give it a B plus because I really enjoyed it, and I feel like the Cthulhu horror is more my setting. 
and um, I think that's about it. I just, like I said, I just don't like how the the dice rolling works on it. Okay. Uh, for me, again, I, I enjoy the setting. I enjoy the themes behind it. I enjoy, it's, it, I definitely had the most fun GMing it that I've had GMing anything. Um, so, and I, I do like the flexibility that it offers. Like, I know uh, Shadow, Shadow Course doesn't necessarily like the modern world setting, but I think, I think the modern world provides a lot, a lot um, many more and better chances for storytelling than fantasy does because it has that relatability aspect to it. So you can, modern stories, in my opinion, tend to impact, be more impactful because you can, you can, you can push yourself into modern stories. I clock, I clock out when someone puts me in a modern setting. You do. Most people don't relate to things they can't see better yep. than things they can see. And that's part of your imagination. Like, I can, I can in my mind, well, it, visualize it, a thousand fantasy worlds. It's not even imagination, though. The, the bigger thing is, as a horror game, Cthulhu horror works because it is the perversion of what you know. Yeah. And that's why this works. Yeah, it has nothing to do, yeah. with, it has nothing to do with imagination. Um, anyways, uh, I enjoy the setting. And I think it's fun. I think the stories that you can tell in it are really good if you're good at telling them. Um, and I, I think that, you know, even with, with the amount of flexibility the system has, there are a lot of stories it has left to tell. Um, so I'm, that being said, I can see that, you know, the, the D100 system is not necessarily my favorite either. I, I like to have a little bit more control when I'm playing a game over what I can do. Um, than this necessarily gets you. I mean, there are things where, like, if you have a if you have a sixty percent chance of doing something, most times you're going to get it. But um, I can see where that could be frustrating. So I'm probably going to give this a B plus. I think uh, it's it's a really good game. I would like to play more of it. Um, I would like to jam more of it. I there there are there are certain people I would like to see how they would deal with certain situations in this game, just based on how they've dealt with other situations. But um, it's not the best game ever. Like there are definitely flaws with it. So yeah, so that's Call of Cthulhu five point six point one edition. Uh, if we if we do do a seventh edition game in the future, we'll probably do a, a review of that as well. But I felt like this was I think this was an appropriate game to review on Halloween because today is Halloween. Um, boo. Yes, boo. You're terrifying. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I am. There's nothing to do with it being Halloween, though. Um, anyways, thanks for listening. This has been the National Review. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. We are Final Show Films. Uh, we produce a wide variety of content every day of the week. You can check us out on our website at finalshowfilms.com. You can also check us out on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash fsfilms. Uh, if you'd like to support us financially, you can check, I don't know why that's funny to Pookie, but apparently it is. Uh, sorry. Something else. Okay. Something else. <laughs> um... If you'd like to support us financially uh, on a monthly basis, you can do so on our Patreon page. Thank you to our $25 supporters, Chris Comfort and Antitonic. Uh, if you'd like to support us, uh, but you don't want to do a monthly donation, we do have a one-time donate button on our website. You go there, there's a, there's a donate PayPal button on the website. Click that. That'll help us out a lot. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>